When we are surrounded by the busyness of daily life, it can feel as if all we're doing is just keeping our heads down and addressing each day's needs as they arise. This can lead to us being distracted from our relationship with God. So this morning, as we set aside time to worship our Lord, we'll be taking the opportunity to look at the future. Well, in our first reading this morning, we come across a person who is just like us doing his normal day job and he's tending sheep for his father-in-law. And it's just a normal day, nothing special going on, hard work, hot days, cold nights and hundreds of sheep to look after. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, as if he just turned the corner and bumped into him, he has an encounter with God. Our first reading is going to be read by Margaret, and it's from Exodus, describing this event. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, reading from the NIV Bible. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over, over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, a quick reminder about Moses. He was born in Egypt, but he killed an Egyptian soldier and fled to Midian, where he married and ended up working for his father-in-law. Here he is in the middle of nowhere looking after sheep, having formerly been a VIP in Egypt. Just one more year of many working in the wilderness, looking after the livestock. Same thing, day in, day out. Then one day he approached Mount Sinai, he sees a fire. Now, fires in the ground occur naturally in some places in the Middle East. They're being caused by oil, tar or gas deposits coming to the surface and igniting. Maybe he'd seen such things before, but he approached to get a better look. And he sees that there's something unusual. There's a bush in the flames, but it's not consumed by the fire. Why? 
is a bush in a fire not burnt to ashes. Then as he gets closer, God speaks directly to him from the fire. So this was no natural phenomenon. What Moses saw defied the way our universe works. Bushes placed on bonfires, like last night and perhaps tonight with bonfire night, they're burnt up, often with a bush, rapidly, with a good supply of air to the, to the, to the twigs and so on. They don't emit voices and then embark on a detailed conversation, including intelligible instructions on what you're to do next with your life. But God spoke to Moses from the bush and declares, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Three of Moses's descendants, all of whom were long dead and buried. On first reading, this may seem to be saying that God is the same God as the God that these people worshipped. Now, this might be grammatical gymnastics, as it were. The present tense is used, not the past tense. God didn't say, I was your father's God. So does this change my understanding of the verse and is it important? Now, I'm not a scholar in Hebrew and I can only read translations and I'm not sure if it's significant or not, whether it reads in the past or present tense. But I still get the meaning that the God speaking to Moses from the bush is the same God that spoke and walked with Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham. So let's to explore this, see if it's more significant. We're going to have our second reading, which is from Luke. It's entitled The Resurrection and marriage. Some of the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and have children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless. The second and third married her, and in the same way, the whole seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died too. Now, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be, since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, the people of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of taking part in that age and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And they can no longer die, for they are like angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. But in the account of the bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. 
Now, this passage is set in Jerusalem, and Jesus has recently entered the city on a donkey and proclaimed as the son of David, heralded as, as it were, the people's king. And a little later, he was in the temple teaching. The people couldn't hear enough, and great crowds were attending to his every word. Now, the officials and the Sadducees and the Pharisees were displeased, indeed desperate to get Jesus away from the crowds and have him killed. But they couldn't work out how to do it, how to find a legitimate excuse for stopping Jesus. Now, Jesus sees that the Sadducees and Pharisees are together in front of him. And you need to understand the Pharisees believed in the resurrection and the Sadducees did not. And there's a little mnemonic as to reason. Remember that one, because the Sadducees are sad, you see, because they don't believe in the resurrection. You may have heard that one. But anyway, and they were always arguing amongst themselves as to who was right and why. And they were never resolving the issue. And they were poles apart. Their arguments are a complete opposite ends of the spectrum. The Sadducees decide to try and trap Jesus by asking about this hot topic of discussion the resurrection, the passage we just heard. Jesus's response to their question is to remind them about Moses and the burning bush on Mount Sinai. And Jesus answers my question about the grammar of the original text. Jesus states that the present tense is in a sense the correct interpretation of the passage. And the Pharisees who studied and knew all of this didn't challenge his answer that God is the God of Jacob, Isaac and Abraham, and is a God of the living, as if they were alive, even though their bodies have gone back to the ground, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. They are alive to God, then and today. Their bodies may have disintegrated, but they exist. They still exist. So what does this tell us about death and the future? When we physically die, we continue to exist, not as a thought in the minds of others or in the mind of God, but as some form of entity waiting to be resurrected. And when resurrected, what form will we take? Well, we've got a bit of information here from Jesus. When we're resurrected, we don't marry. So life is not the same as we know it today. Jesus said that we will be like the angels and not capable of dying again. So this leads on to, well, what else do we know? And what else did Jesus say about life after death? You know, will the resurrection from the dead be like the late raising of Lazarus, Jairus's daughter, or the widow's son. Three people recorded in the gospel who Jesus raised from the dead. Jesus brought them back to life, but back to life in the same form they'd had before they died. An extension of life on earth in the here and now. But they all eventually died again and were buried. Now the resurrection life is not this sort of coming back from the dead. Jesus hinted at this when he raised Lazarus from the tomb. He said to Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he die, yet 
shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. So death, departing this world, is not the end. Now, it, it reminds me of, uh, as an aside really, it reminded me of Captain Kirk and the and and the and, and Star Trek, where you know that it's boldly go death, you know, space the final frontier to boldly go where no man has gone before. But for our circumstances here, it's death the final frontier. And it's to boldly go where one man has gone before, where Jesus has been. So what else do we know? Well, Jesus was on the cross and dying, and there were two criminals crucified at the same time. One believed in him and one didn't. And the one who believed in him asks and speaks to Jesus. And, uh, and this is the wrong slide for it, but don't worry. Um, I'll come back to that one about the, the cross. Um, this slide is, is what Jesus has said about where Jesus was going when he was crucified. This was before he was crucified. And he was saying it to the disciples and he was trying to comfort them because he just said he was going to, 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 to suffer and to die. And he said to his disciples, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Jesus said, in my father's house, there are many rooms and I go to prepare a place for you. A picture and description that where we are going can be considered to be like a large house with many rooms. Where we are invited to go and stay, like a large stately home or maybe a tower block or perhaps uh, a large complex or an integrated city. I don't know if any of you have been to Hong Kong. You know, lots of hotels interconnected to shops and restaurants, views over the seas and everybody living together, everything close and amenable. But it's a place where we're also individuals, people living together, but people living together, individuals together. But these are only glimpses and we don't have a clear picture. However, it is a place where we are welcome and we are, will be with Jesus and our Heavenly Father. Now we come back to the, the article with the, 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 the criminals on the cross. When Jesus was on the cross, one of the criminals believed in Jesus and one didn't. And the person who believed said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And today with me in paradise was the day he died. So he wasn't going to be in paradise on the cross. This is referring to the events later in the same day after death. To the person who believed, Jesus said that when he was dead, he would be with Jesus. Death is not the end. Dying may be horrible. It may be painful. It may be something that we don't want to do because it 
it can be all sorts of issues and problems. But that's not the same as the finality of the death itself. It's a way through to the other side. Death is not the end. And Jesus described their destination using the word paradise, a place of beauty and where people would want to be. And we know no more than that. But he didn't say it was a place of judgment. He didn't refer to it as heaven and he didn't refer to it as the place of the dead. He said it would be considered in our human speech as paradise. There is life beyond the portal of death. So then we say, well, what else can we know about the resurrection and the resurrected body? And we can see more of that if we look at Jesus's resurrected body. He disappeared from the grave. When Mary got there, the tomb was empty. No trace. With his resurrected body, Jesus spoke to Mary. He was recognisable. And yet, in some way, not recognisable. The two people on the road to Emmaus didn't recognise him until he sat down for a meal and broke bread. However, Jesus could walk, talk, converse. He could eat and drink. He ate breakfast on the lakeside with Peter and the other disciples. And yet at the same time, his body had the scars, which Thomas was invited to touch, to see and feel his wounds. Yet Jesus was alive. He could appear and disappear in a locked room and then vanish. He had substance and then suddenly he didn't. In all of his appearances, it was still him. It was Jesus, the person and character were the same. His resurrected physical body might be different, but the person is still there. When we're resurrected, we will be who we are, but also different. Uh, the last main reading, which is looking at what Paul wrote about the subject, and it's from 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 to 58, reading from the NIV Bible. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, <clears throat> but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord 
is not in vain. Now, death is a subject that most of the people we meet only touch upon at times. It's often there's black humor around it. Um, you know, uh, I don't know if you remember in back, not so much today as they used to be, perhaps with more politically incorrect, as it were. But, um, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, there were often people like Dave Allen sending up death and the priests and the, and the church uh, and things like coffins crashing and, and, you know, and all sorts of events like that. Well, some of those things actually are not so far from what happened. Um, when my father was buried, um, he died was many, many years ago now, 50 plus years ago, but uh, we were going to his funeral. And of course, the, the, the hearse the lead, was the lead car. And then, of course, the, the main family, that's myself, my sister and my uncle and my, my mother in the next car and, and then cars behind and so on. And we were driving to the to the crematorium, and there's a it's down the a, a it's down the A23 in in Surrey, and uh, there's one particular patch where it goes to a dual carriageway, and of course the hearse is driving in a nice sedate slow speed, a big queue of traffic behind, gets to this double double dual carriageway, and of course everybody talk 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 fun to pass, you know, get to get past this lot now, and uh, a lorry pulled out of the side road and uh the hearse crashed into it and our car crashed straight in the back of the hearse now, and i thought yeah that's great because i was then sat on the side of the road and my sister waiting for an ambulance to go to the hospital while dad went to the crematorium oh, we actually went to the service and then went to the hospital later we we're all right but i thought you know dad always used to watch people like dave allen and he would never stop laughing with these sort of black humor around death and so i thought actually you know, he would have enjoyed that scenario of him crashing in his own way to his own funeral. Um, and, and the whole thing about death, and I know that a lot of people find it really hard, and, and dying is even, I think, harder than death. And as a Christian, this, these passages today are all about the message that there is hope. Our hope is in the resurrection and the life. And... Uh, there's some more in, in 1 Thessalonians, which I should read. And this one's read from the, uh, from the J.B. Phillips um, translation. And it's about God's message regarding those who have died. It says, now we don't want you, my brothers, to be in any doubt about those who fall asleep in death or to grieve over them like men who have no hope. After all, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again from death, then we can believe that God will just as surely bring with Jesus all who are asleep in him. Here we have a definite message from the Lord. It is that those who are living when he comes will not in any way precede those who have previously fallen asleep. One word of command, one shout from the archangel, one blast from the trumpet of God and the Lord himself will come down from heaven. Those who have died in Christ will be the first to rise. And then we, who are still living on earth, will be swept up with them into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. 
and after that we shall be with him forever. Now God has given me this message on the matter, so by all means use it to encourage one another. Those are the words of Paul. Paul wrote that we will be transformed. And in a sense, we die like seed is scattered on the ground, but the seed brings forth life in a different form. And it will all happen when the Lord returns again, whether we be alive when that happens or dead. And Paul describes the dead as being asleep. Like when you go to bed, we sleep, we have no knowledge of the passing of time and wake up hours later. And it says that when we die, it's described as being asleep. We wake to a new world. We will be raised with a spiritual body, a new resurrection body. We'll be imperishable and live forever. We cannot die again. You will still be you, who you are. No more pain or sorrow. Life in paradise with Jesus and his father. For those who believe and trust in Jesus, death has no sting. It is going home to a new home with Jesus and his father. The terror of the grave and the power of death are broken to all who believe. So this is take heart, our God is with us. And this is part of our message that we have for those who don't believe, who don't see any hope at the end that they're heading towards. So this is part of our Christian message, there is life. And the proof and the demonstration of that is the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
breeze through the spirits You close faith with certainty in this podcast is adapted from recorded Zoom services held by Teambridge Methodist Circuit Coastal Section. Full videos can be viewed on their YouTube channel. Music is taken from worship audio tracks, all rights reserved. <laughs>